everyone. My name's Doug Krause. I'm the host of the Mortgage Minute. Be sure and check out my upcoming show about adjustable rate mortgages. What are they and are they right for me? Hey everyone, this is Doug Krause again, the host of the Mortgage Minute. And today I wanted to talk to you briefly about adjustable rate mortgages, what they are and are they right for you? First of all, a lot of times they're referred to as ARMS, which again stands for adjustable rate mortgages. What's that really mean? Well, take for example, a 10-1 or a 10-6 ARM. Pretty much all adjustable rate mortgages are based on 30-year repayment schedules. Then the first number in that 10-1 or 10-6 refers to the amount of time the rate's gonna be locked in. So in this case, 10 years means the last 20 years, you're gonna get a new rate either yearly or twice a year or 7-6 ARM, same thing. It's a 30-year mortgage. The rate's locked in for seven years. And then you're going to get a new rate based on a 7-6 every six months for the next 23 years. So why would somebody take a mortgage like this? Well, first of all, the bank's not guaranteeing the rate for as long. So the rates are going to be cheaper. And the very obvious reason you would take this would be if you know you're not going to have this mortgage in seven or 10 years. They also actually come in three-year and five-year as well. But let's take, for instance, a 10-year note. I mean, it's a 30-year note, but a 10-year arm. If the rate was a half percent cheaper, and that's approximately where they're at today, then on a million-dollar loan, that's probably going to save you $300 to $350 a month. So over the course of the first 10 years, that's going to save you Thirty-six dollars to $42,000 in payments, just money you don't have to pay out. I think what gets overlooked often, and it's probably just because most people don't understand, even in my role, how this works. But if, if you carefully look at this on the amortization table, as illogical as it sounds, you'll see this is actually the way it works, that a cheaper interest rate, and this is not because it's an adjustable rate, just because it's a cheaper interest rate, pays principal earlier on a bell curve. So during that first 10 year period, let's say your savings was 300 a month. And again, logic says, keep the mortgage 10 years, 120 payments times $300, you're gonna save 36,000. But it's also behind the scenes paying more towards your principal. And in this instance, it's probably paying 130, $140 more towards your principal so at the end of 10 years, if you get ready to list your house and sell it, not only will you have saved 36,000, maybe more in payments, you're also going to owe 13 to $15,000 less in principal too. Now your total savings is closer to $50,000. So why do you get a cheaper interest rate? Well, again, the bank's commitment to you is shorter term. So their cost of funds to commit to an interest rate for a 10-year period is less than a 30-year period. Therefore, they can pass that savings on to you. And something I want people to understand why this is actually the best loan for the majority of people is 80 to 90% of mortgages don't survive the 10-year mark. And what I mean by that is People either refinance them, maybe they're doing a cash out refinance to pull out cash to do a home improvement, consolidate debt, whatever the case be. 
There's also circumstances where maybe you're going to buy conservative enough that you'll have enough funds to just pay the loan off in 10 years if the rate does go up. Other circumstances might be you inherit money and be able to afford to pay it off. Or the most logical would be that before the 10 years mark comes where your rate could adjust, you're going to sell the house and buy something different. My wife and I are really probably kind of in that range of what I would call normal. I'm 54 years old and I'm on my sixth house. So I know everybody buys a house and thinks it's going to be their forever home. But the reality is that people move for so many circumstances that that's just not likely to be the case. So it's not a one size fits all. You can't say that I'm certain you're going to move because as soon as I say that, you'll be one of that 10 or 20% that really stays in that house for 30 years. So have to look at what makes the most sense for you and your family. But other couple of circumstances I didn't mention would be reasons that you choose to move that you think you won't. Your family size changes or you need to change school districts. Even if you're staying in town, you move from one side of town to the other for your job and your commute goes from five minutes to an hour and you don't want to do that. So there's just so many circumstances that loans just don't survive that long. So adjustable rates are really a good option that shouldn't, you shouldn't just turn your nose up, especially if you're talking to your parents, next older generation. Of course, they've been around for the loans in the 80s and saw adjustable rates go sky high with interest rates and they're just conservative. So they look at it and say, what if? Well, the real what if is, what if I leave 50,000 on the table in this circumstance because I didn't want to take the chance? And again, not right for everybody. I mean, some people are just not going to sleep well at night knowing that, hey, I might be here 15 years and then I'm going to be stuck paying an interest rate that's higher than I would have had if I took a fixed rate. So that might be you. Something to consider after 10 years, in my example, if you were talking about a million dollar loan and you were 50,000 ahead, even if rates do go up, it's going to take another couple years before you're going to lose maybe even three, four years before you're going to lose all the money you've saved and actually be worse off than having taken a fixed rate to begin with. Now you're probably in that 5% bracket if you're really going to say you're in that house for 15 years. So, and again, can't say this applies to everybody, but just want you to take that into consideration as you're making your decision. So, let's dive in a little bit deeper on an adjustable rate and how do they work. So an adjustable rate, again, a 10-6, the 10 means it's fixed for 10 years. The six means it's going to adjust every six months for the next 20 years. There's other 10-year arms that are called 10-1s. And the difference between the two, the 10-1 is likely based off of a treasury or LIBOR-based. And then the 10-6 is a SOFR-based, which stands for Secured Overnight Finance Rate. It, in my opinion, is generally a much better option of the two. And the reason for that, let's take the 10-1 arm, for example. That's the loans that have been around a long time. You can go back and look at the history of the treasury and see where your rate's going to go, whether it's based off the one-year treasury, which I don't know, maybe in the 1.8 range or a 10-year treasury. Last I looked, I think it was in the 2.8, something like that range. 
those generally have a two-point margin added to them, meaning if the rate were changing today, they would look at where the one-year or the 10-year treasury is and add 2% to that. That means if you had one of these adjustable rate mortgages that's a treasury or a LIBOR-based, you'd be expecting your rate to adjust somewhere in the 3.8 to 4.8 range, depending on what the index it's based off of. So there's an index and there's a margin. The index being the treasury, the LIBOR, the SOFR, the margin being how much are we going to add to that to determine your future rate. Now, why I like the SOFR, which again stands for Secured Overnight Finance Rate. What is that? You probably don't know. It's only been around a few years. It's a rate that banks lend money to each other on an overnight basis. It's currently about 0.25%. The margin on this one is 2.75 over. So if that one were adjusting today, it would be going to 3%. So actually your rates can go down in the future, 10 years from now, do I think the SOPA is gonna be 0.25%? Absolutely not. Do I know where it's gonna be? Not a clue. I mean, I can tell you this, that if the SOPA were six, then that means fixed rates are probably nine, 10, 11, even 12%. So that's a big adjustment. If SOPA goes to six and the rate's gonna be 2.75 over that, indicating your rate should adjust to 8.75, then again, six divided by 0.25, that's a huge multiple. Could it happen? Absolutely. I mean, with inflation the way it's going right now, who knows where we're headed? But all of these loans do come with caps. So take the 10.6, for instance, it comes with a 515 cap. And what those caps mean are the first five, just like the 10 one, means the rate could go up when it starts adjusting on year 11, five points. So if you had a rate that started at 4% on this loan, on year 11, it could jump all the way to 9%. The one on the 10-6 arm indicates what happens to the rate each time it adjusts after that first adjustment. So let's assume your first adjustment, you started at four and then the first time it went to six. That means every adjustment after that for the next 39 adjustments, which would be 19 and a half years, the rate can move up or down 1%. So the first five was how much can it move the first time? The one is how much it can move every other time after the first time. And then the last five, again, being a 515, is how much can it move over your start rate? So if your start rate was four, it can never go over nine. And that holds true even if the SOFA moved to, let's say, 10%, for instance, and then we wanted to add 2.75 to that, that would imply your rate would be going to 12.75. It can't do that because that's more than 5% over your start rate. A 10-year treasury works very similar, but has caps of 525. And the five, again, the first year, the one first time it adjusts, the two being that every adjustment after that. And the reason that it can go 2% instead of one is it only adjusts one time a year where the SOFR adjusts twice a year. So they both essentially have 2% caps for the year. And then they both, as a rule, I mean, it's not every bank, but most then follow the 5% cap rule to where life of the loan is 5% over the start rate. So now you have a better understanding of the way the adjustables work. 
Again, I would just consider this one a given that you should take if you look at the house and say, my circumstances are going to change. I'm not going to live in the house more than five or seven or 10 years. And which type of barn you pick is going to be determined based on that answer as well. Because while a 10-year might be a half percent cheaper than a 30 fixed, a seven year is an even shorter guarantee from the bank. Therefore, it's an even better rate. Good rule of thumb is probably expect a seven year to be about an eighth of a percent cheaper than a 10 year and a five year to be approximately an eighth of a percent cheaper than the seven year. The seven and the 10 work exactly the same. They have 515 caps where a 5.6 arm, the only real difference on it is it has 215 caps. So it adjusts five, five years in, as opposed to the 10 year, you've blocked your rate for 10 years. So since it starts adjusting sooner, the first adjustment on it can only move 2% every year after that 1%. So it will take a little longer as after it does start adjusting, if worst case scenario to cap out at 5% over your start rate, worst case scenario, it could go up 2% year six, 2% year seven, and then 1% year eight. Keep in mind, they can always go down. I mean, if it goes up 2% that first time, 1% the next time, nothing keeps that from coming back down if the index plus the margin indicate that it should. I think, again, very good loan options that people should consider based on how long the law of averages say you'll keep your mortgage. So great option for residents, buying their first house. And many, many residents I talk to tell me, hey, when I'm done, I'm just gonna keep it. So I want the 30 year fixed. I can tell you with almost certainty you won't. And the reason I tell you that my wife's a doctor, I've been watched her go through residency. And I think once you finish residency, you just wanna go live your life and you're not gonna wanna deal with other people's problems being their landlord. And sure, it's a good way to build wealth, but it's also a lot of work and there's a very good chance when you leave residency, you're also gonna leave that town. And then you're talking about being an absentee landlord. It then poses future problems for your next mortgage that most lenders won't let you count the rental income you're gonna collect off of it if you don't have a history of being a landlord, which now means your new mortgage, you wanna buy your attending house, you're gonna to have to qualify with not only your residency mortgage payment, as well as your new payment because you can't count the rental income. So that's another factor to consider. Most, I mean, my, I do, and most of my competitors now are offering a million dollars with no money down. But if that first attending house is gonna be over a million dollars, your residency home selling it might net you a down payment that you need. I, for instance, go to a million five with 5% down. So. If you bought a $300,000 house in residency, kept it for three or four years, good chance you're going to have $50,000, $60,000 in net equity after paying to sell it, which would cover your 5% down on a over million dollar property. If you get to a million five, obviously that's 75,000, but the rate things are going right now, you know, that equity could also be used for Maybe you're ready to buy a car after residency. You could just use some of that to just pay cash or use that money to wipe out student loan debt. So there's just a lot of reasons I don't feel like most residents will end up keeping their first home. And 
why it really makes sense in their case. But even as an attending, I mean, I'm again on my sixth house. I haven't kept one longer than 10 years. I did have one that lasted 10. The last one before the one I'm in now, we kept seven. So the seven or 10 year would have been perfect fits. And that's actually what I did. So anyway, that's just a, a quick overview of what adjustable rate mortgages are. And if they're right for you, I can't answer that. You know, that's your family is going to have different circumstances than the next one. So only you know the right answer. But statistically speaking, the answer is they probably are definitely something you should at least consider. Feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions. You can reach me at doug.kraus at bmo.com or 816-728-3631 or just visit my landing page, dougkraus.com and has all my contact info there. Love to answer any questions for you. If you've never owned a house, you can also on that same page request a free copy of my book, Hippocratic House. And thanks for listening.